Hello and welcome to another episode of In Phase brought to you by Three Moons Audio. I'm Gavin. I'm Jordan. And I'm Audrey. And we're coming at you from the lunar base again. Uh, this is our favorite place because we built it. It's and ours. It's ours. <laughs> and we want to share it with you. Um, we've got a really fun episode for you today. Uh, one of these days I'm sure we'll have like a really boring, dull episode. But for now I think we'll just keep it with the uh, exciting, entertaining episodes for you. So you can... Uh, get to know us a little bit better it seems to be the thing people like yeah people no, like, i like boring yeah boring is yeah. that another portland thing <laughs> we'll just talk about like frequencies oh that'll be the one where we just like play play a frequency boop, boop, what is that uh yeah. 447 okay uh, uh 269 267 <laughs> oh man you're gonna nickel and dime me like that yep <laughs> woof <laughs> Yeah, so when you want to hear that podcast, let us, <laughs> let us know. <laughs> yeah, we'll play with the signal generator. <laughs> Actually, I mean, using the signal generator to calibrate a console is kind of cool, though. Um, I liked doing that. At it's Robert cool, Lang's. but I yeah. don't know, podcasts, like how you... Uh, like, okay, Audrey's going to describe what we're doing. Like, okay, <laughs> yeah, now they're per- turning it on. and <laughs> Now, and we're making sure that the levels are We're raising are the fader, and yeah. it's being raised, yeah. and it's raised. <laughs> it's still and raised. Stop. <laughs> stop. All right, and now we're going to make and sure... And now we're going to lower? Yeah. Lower? Lower? <laughs> it's like and a play-by-play. Play. all the same now. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh... <laughs> uh, We've lost our minds, kids. <laughs> We've lost our audience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come back! Cool. Well, uh, for those that are still listening, uh, how about we get to this? What's, What's your, your signal, signal chain? chain? That, was, that was good. That Thank was you. That was, that was my solo debut. <laughs> yeah. Was. yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for listening. Hey, Jordan, what are you talking into today? Uh, today is very similar to a, a podcast a couple weeks ago. Uh I'm talking to my 414. It's going into our 710D preamp. I have a little bit of compression going on, um, and it's doing the thing, yep. as we like to say. Yep. As doing... Gavin coined. <laughs> it's doing the That'll thing. That'll be our first in-phase t-shirt when we start selling merch. I was going to just get it tattooed on my forehead. It's doing the thing. <laughs> and I just love your my name bangs every time. Yeah. It's doing the thing. It's doing the thing. It depends. Audrey. There's a, Audrey there's a lot Portland. of stuff that's yeah. supposed to be tattooed. It's going to look like a mumble rapper. <laughs> Bad yeah. face tattoos. So that's my single chain. Audrey, what about you? Um, I am talking into a lovely... RE20 today. I almost said 4E20. Um, and then I am also in the 4710 Mike Prees, also going through our uh, Clark Technics, our tech, yeah. Clark Technic. Clark Technic, yeah. uh, LA2A. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I have you, I'm going to switch you over to full tube there. Oh, okay. I'm now full tube. Yeah. You're tubey. Did I bump it? Sorry. You're good. Okay. I was just adding a little bit more compression to see uh, what that happens on Audrey's mic. Nice. Yeah. Just to see what happens. Yeah. So <laughs> you'll experiment. notice that Audrey might sound a little bit different. <laughs> uh, and I'm talking on a Warm Audio 47 Junior, not modeled after a clone or recreation of the Neumann FET 47. I'm going into the Universal Audio 710D um, mic pre. I'm full tube and I'm going into the Clark Technic 1176 compressor as well. And guys, I got to tell you, our waveforms are just pristine beauties. They look yeah. We've got some furry clean. caterpillars <laughs> up in this. <laughs> furry caterpillars. Actually, for anybody that is curious, though, now that we brought this up, one thing that we've had some like 
um, not issues with necessarily, but just like having three people record in one room together um, has proven to be a, a challenge. A challenge. A the, little bit. Yeah. It's especially, been a learning curve. It's been a learning curve, especially when we're just like, obviously, you know, with a session, we have all this setup time and we're going to spend a lot of time making everything sound good with the podcast. I mean, not that we don't care, but we just kind of want to just get going and do the thing. Um, so when we when we set everything up um, for a, a while, we had some bleed between all of our mics and stuff. So we've been trying to figure out how to negate that as much as possible. But I think... From what I can see, at least. Uh, we kind of... Pretty good. We kind of figured it kind out of a little it. bit. Yeah. We'll zoom in. I mean, there's a little little rumbles here and there, but nothing... I mean, look like at like Audrey's mic is just clean. And usually, yeah, usually my mic's just a hot mess. <laughs> <laughs> and it's... I'm usually the main culprit of bleeding into other people's mics just because I'm loud. <laughs> yeah, we're very... Uh, we're at different speaking levels, for sure, yeah. when it comes to our... Yeah, Gavin's voice carries, for yeah. sure. I have a... I have a, I have a bad voice. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> it's just you just notice it. It's just yeah. loud. My daughter has the same thing, uh, but she's eight, and so you just have a small person's voice that just carries. Yeah, and it it can be hurtful sometimes. <laughs> I love her so much, but I just wish she'd be quiet. <laughs> Which is funny because I'm notoriously loud and people wish I would be quiet. So I'm definitely getting a taste of my own medicine. Yeah. Yeah. Parenting. Parenting. <laughs> well, guys. Well, yeah, that's what we're talking into. Uh, what are we talking about to uh, today? What? To, to what? <laughs> uh, we are talking about, well, we're going to start off by talking about our desert island albums yeah and i think we all kind of took different approaches to how we made our list because it's definitely not necessarily like all-time favorite albums it's like what you would take to a desert island you were stranded on an island yeah what would you listen to what would you want and i don't know about you guys but for me that's not the same as what my favorite album is i don't necessarily want to listen to my mind overlap well yeah 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 no for (laughs) sure but my mind mine kind of overlapped yeah there's definitely a few on here that are my favorites of all time and then a few that are just something that i'll always want to listen to all right so who wants to start jordan does okay so uh the first album on my list is kind of a cop-out because i was thinking when i did this i didn't want to do like greatest hits albums because i felt like that was a cop-out yeah i thought about that too and then i was like no no can't do this Mm -hmm. um because so many i was like well i just do greatest hits album that's easy um but this one is kind of a greatest hits album but it's an album called september by earth wind and fire they released it in 2018 as like basically a greatest hits album um literally all the songs that you can think of like serpentine serpentine fire september um i don't know all the all the hits are on that one and i was like oh this is my jam okay (laughs) (laughs) um because i love some earth wind and fire uh and then i have um well the other thing i should say too is when i was doing my list like i was thinking about okay if i was on a desert island like what what kinds of genres would I want to listen to? Because I wouldn't just want to listen to the same thing. You know, I thought about my different moods. Yeah, exactly. Because not <laughs> yeah. every day I want to listen to like classic rock or whatever or Earth and Fire as much as I love them. So, um, my number two on my list. These aren't really in order, but just for now, sure they are. Number two uh, is actually the Fantasia 2000 album um, by the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, because. I'm going to be that nerd for a second that has some of my favorite classical pieces of all time. And the symphony orchestra is that's a particularly well-recorded album. Um, so that's a bop in my opinion. 
um, if you can call classical music bops. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, my number three is The Wall by Pink Floyd. Um, I am definitely, I mean, this is like a hot, you know, hot opinion right here. But hot take. Hot, hot take. take. But I prefer The Wall over Dark Side, even though I love both of them. I, I think I prefer The Wall. Do you guys have an opinion on that? I um, am embarrassed to say I've never deep dived into Pink Floyd. Oh, okay. I haven't reached that point yet. You, it, I feel like it's gonna be in the next year for me, though. I feel it okay. coming on. You feel for it me. coming. Um, I like. I've done. I've dipped my toes in it, and gotcha. I like what I hear. I just have never had the time really to be like, it. I want to, because I want to sit down and listen to, to the entire album. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a full like story, yeah, and it's exactly. everything like comes together. So you have to like. Yeah. It, so I have to. It, and even for me, like I love the wall, but I have to like if I'm gonna listen to it, I'm gonna listen to the whole thing. Exactly. I'm not just gonna listen to a song. Like I mean, sometimes I do that, but yeah, you have to like be in the mood for it. So yeah. I totally understand. Yeah. yeah, I like wish you were here. <laughs> That's a song. <laughs> yeah. Um. So the wall uh, number four is we like it here by Snarky Puppy. They're a band that I had on uh, my artist of the week. Snarky Puppy is more of a modern band. All these bands and whatever have that I've said so far have all been like old school stuff, but Snarky Puppy is the first one that's more modern. Um, and their album we'd like to hear is Fan Frickin' Tasket. Tasket? Tastic. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Frickin' Tastic. Uh, they uh, recorded their whole album all together in one room, um, and they even br bring in like a kind of a studio audience, so to speak, of just like a bunch of people that come in and, and listen as they're recording. Um, so it's all like when you listen to it, it's all done live in the studio, which is rarely ever done anymore. So it's it's there. You can just feel like the the vibe. But it also is just so well put together that it doesn't like it's not like, oh, there's some mistakes here and there. It's like, no, it's it's freaking perfect. But it's I, I love it. Um, and then the next album, I guess it's my number five who I have to choose between. OK, I'm going to choose... have an honorable mention. I have an honorable mention. OK. <laughs> I'm going to choose Blood by Leanne Le Havis. Again, another person that's... Um, I know. You you introduced me to her. I did? I've, I've listened to her a lot, yeah. She's really so like good. Um, that album is... Yeah, she's a newer artist as well, Leanne Le Havis. Leanne Le Havis. Um, and her album, Blood, it came out actually kind of a while ago now, a couple of years ago. And I've been waiting for her new album ever since. I don't know what she's been doing. Hurry up. Uh, hurry up, Leanne. Um, but anyways, her album Blood is fantastic, and I would highly recommend it. So those are my top five mics. Or <laughs> wow, where am I right now? Those are my top five albums, Desert Island albums. And like we said on one of our last podcasts, like if you asked me tomorrow, my list would probably change. So no, my list changed. I think three times in the time that I've made okay. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. I actually have, I ended up first writing a top 10 and then I narrowed it down and I still have eight on my list right here. So I was trying to like choose. So anyways, those are my albums. Um, yeah, that's, that's me in a nutshell. Who nice. else wants those to go? Those are some good, good albums. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I can go. Go for it. All right. So I went the, down the personal sentimentality route, route. Uh, with my albums, um, in no particular order, uh, I went with "Slowly Going the Way of the Buffalo" by MXPX. Mm, uh, that was the first MXPX album I ever listened to, um, and MXPX is one of my all-time favorite bands. And um, it was also recorded at Robert Lang Studios. Um, so I just 
feel a weird connection to that album. I did yeah. not know that. I it was, either. yeah. Um, that was also uh, it's a gold record. Their only gold record for them. <gasps> now that you say that, now I remember seeing that. Yeah, okay, no, right. it's, it's in there. So, um, oh. so yeah, it's up there. So uh, definitely just, you know, sentimentality and person- personal stuff. Um, another album, uh, Enjoy by The Descendants, who are a big influence to MXPX. Um the drummer Bill Stevenson also played in Black Flag. He has a recording studio in Fort Collins. And this album, uh, on top of just being one that I really like, I just like, I, I kind of think in my mind that this is the album that kind of gave them the idea to start their own recording studio. They did a lot of their own recording and producing and stuff on it. It was a very DIY album for them. And, uh, you know, complete with them. It, it was all recorded to tape. And they ended up having several reels of tape of just their um, flatulence recorded. Uh, mind you, the what? cover art of this album is a roll of toilet paper. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's true. pretty crass and rude. Um, but I, it's, it's still really good. I really like it. Um, so, yeah, in my mind, that just kind of makes me think of like, oh, this is why the Blasting Room exists in Fort Collins. Um, another album... Uh, the Walking Wounded by Bayside. Uh, this was the first album the band recorded after um, their drummer passed uh, passed away uh, from a horrible car accident, a van touring van accident that the band was in. Um, and so they kind of came back and uh, definitely kept the band going. It's a really good album. This is an album that my wife and I definitely bonded over when we were still dating um, before we became married. Uh, another album that's really close to me is uh, it's called I Am Hollywood by a band called He Is Legend. And uh, it's a really heavy album, uh, but it's also like really kind of psychedelic. And this is an album that I listen to probably weekly uh, since it came out. And uh, it's just one of these albums that I can listen to start to finish on repeat. Um, I don't really particularly know why. To me, it's just really good. It's really heavy, but it has really catchy melodic elements to it. Um, and uh, there's just a lot going on, but it's really, really cool, and I like it. And uh, I, I literally, like, he, this album is one of, like, every, every time I do a Spotify, like, year-end analysis or whatever that they do, like, these are your most listened listen to things. This album and the band He Is Legend is, like, always in my top five. Um, and then... Uh, to really round out the whole sentimentality thing, uh, the Charlie Brown Christmas soundtrack. <gasps> that, is what, that is one of my top five albums, period. I have loved that album since I was a small child. Um, I have Linus and Lucy stuck in my head constantly. Um, it's really funny. I almost put the Muppets uh, album for their, their original Muppets movie oh, as yeah. one of my all-time favorites. Yeah. Too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's there's it's a it's really good. It's really good jazz album. It's a good pop jazz album. Wait, Gavin, do you like jazz? Uh, I like Vince Guaraldi. <laughs> okay, true. Yeah, I don't know who doesn't. I like. I don't like all jazz. I think I like jazz if if I hear it. Um, <laughs> but I'm not an aficionado or a purist or a, I don't seek it out. But if it's on, I don't mind it. But have you listened to much Starkey Puppy? Not much. But you you've heard me play it like yes oh yeah that's totally. like you could consider that modern jazz no, yeah I could dig some it some people do yeah I like it when you can hear it like when it makes sense you know <laughs> yeah so not freeform jazz then no not at all um 
I like it when it yeah. makes sense. Yeah. I like, uh, I think, and I don't necessarily like the smooth smooth jazz, Kenny G jazz. Yeah. Um, I like... Elevator jazz. Ele- yeah. <laughs> but I like... I love jam band jazz. Yeah. Yeah. Where like, everyone's just like gigging off each other. Yeah. yeah. I think like, if I, I love that. I think if I sought out jazz, I would want the jazz... <laughs> I'm saying this word so much. <laughs> <laughs> I would want like the smoky speakeasy you know, jazz. Oh, like I want to be in like that, yeah, okay. Like dim. Everyone's smoking cigarettes. Everyone's drinking martinis. Gotcha. But it's like mellow and moody. Um, you like some Ella? Yeah, I could. Okay. I can hang with some Ella. Ella. Aretha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, just you know, where it's like really kind of sedate but powerful. I could. I could. Yeah. Do, you know, because I and I guess I think a lot of that is kind of what triggers like kind of soulful jazz too. So mm, yeah, yeah. Anything with soul, yeah, yeah, yeah. But also the Charlie Brown Christmas, yes, <laughs> to bring um, it full circle. That's my, that's that's my, that's my peak jazz, and it's really good. Vince Graldi's actually pretty was pretty awesome pianist and composer. So yeah, Christmas time. <laughs> it's um, a precursor to our Christmas special. Yes, <laughs> should just dissect that. <laughs> oh, by the way, in case we haven't said it yet, um, Happy Thanksgiving. Oh, happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Yeah. Sorry, we're so we were so excited <laughs> if you about it. Yeah. If you celebrate it. Yes. Yeah. Yes, of course. Or happy, or just happy family, family day. Yeah. Happy family day. Yeah. Friendsgiving. Just Yeah. Surround yourself with loved ones. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Eat some food together. Yeah. Cool. Uh Audrey, uh, what what do you got for us? Okay. So my approach to this was like a mix of both of yours and then with an added Ooh. element. Okay. An added elephant. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, <laughs> such a dad. Um, well, my added element. So I used to play this game on like road trips, but we would like play the albums that were our desert oh. albums on our road trips, and like it would be the game. Um, but part of that game, because I'd play it with my dad, and part of it was like we would refer to them as perfect albums, which were albums that you could listen to all the way through, and you never wanted to skip a song or like skip a part. Yeah. So that's kind of what my list is, is like perfect albums okay. that like I could Dang. listen to. Also different genres, depending on my mood when I'm stranded on this desert island. Okay. So um, my, again, not in any order, but um, my first one is just one of my all-time favorite albums. And I think one of the prettiest albums ever and most meaningful, which is uh, Seat at the Table by Solange. Oh, I knew that was going to be... <laughs> Um, I love that album more than anything. It got me through one of the hardest years of my life. And it has a lot of like sentimental value to me. And I also think the meaning behind it and just the messages behind it are really powerful. Yeah. It came out during 2016, which was obviously like a really rough year in this country's history. Mm-hmm. And uh, she she said a lot of stuff that a lot of people didn't want to say during that time. Yeah. And I have a lot of respect for her for that. Um, the next one, she's one of my favorite artists. Her name's Jen Wigmore. Uh, the yep. album's called Gravel and Wine. It was her second uh, release. Um, and she's pretty incredible. She's got like a crazy cool, like, I don't even know how to describe it. She's got a cool rasp to her voice, but it's not like the kind of traditional. It's almost like Amy Winehouse meets like Amy Ryan, or, or if Amy Winehouse was willing to like rock out a little bit more than yeah. she really did. Um, and then my next album is a classic. Uh, George Harrison, All Things Must Pass. Mm, ooh, one of my all-time favorite albums. It's constantly on my record player at home. Um, I love it. I think it's pretty. I think it's interesting. I think it's cool. 
Um, and then next one would be uh, The Regrets, which I know I've talked about a lot, but it's uh, actually their first album, not their latest album. Oh, okay. No offense to the latest album. I liked it, but it didn't live up to the first one for well, me. Good. Hot take. Yeah. I know. Hot take. Um, but it's called Feel Your Feelings, Fool. And I love it. I think it's silly. It's 18-year-old kids making music, and I love it. And it's it makes still me really happy. All up, uh, yeah, I really love that album, too. Yeah. And I like how unapologetic it is. Yeah, yeah it's totally yeah. like 18-year-old girl problems, and she's just like, fuck you. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm 18, and I'm mad. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then my last one is kind of a nod to the more like folky side of me that wants to move to Nashville and just play acoustic guitar all the time um and that would be nikki lane uh highway queen was the name of the album hmm. um she's based out of nashville that album um not that album but the album before was produced by one of my favorite producers dan Oberbach from mm-hmm. the black keys um and so that's kind of how i really got into her was through that album but highway queen is a really really good album it's mm. a cool um, album name too yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, and she's she's really great live. She's really funny live. I've seen her like twice live. Mm. Um, and she puts on a great show. Um, and yeah, it's one of my favorite albums. It's a it's another good album to get out some like some aggression. Yeah. So yeah. Nice. Cool. Was that six? No, that was five. Oh, that was five. Okay. I didn't do my honorable mention. Gotcha. <laughs> What's your honorable mention? I have an honorable mention too. Okay, my honorable mention is another perfect album for me. And it's uh, Tear Twilight by Pavement. It's the only album by Pavement I oh. have ever listened to. Because yeah. a lot of people, when I tell them that, they're like, Pavement fucking sucks. Or they have very strong opinions about Pavement. And I'm like, it is the only album I know of theirs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I love it. Yeah. Like, it, I listen to it at least once a week. Mm. And I have since, I think, I was 12. Oh. Like, this album, like, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Hell yeah. It's a jam. Yeah. Uh, my honorable mention... Uh, I think, at least right now, uh, is Tapestry by Carol King. Oh my god, I listened oh. to that the other night. That album is so nice. good. So and good. it made me when you were talking about like perfect albums like that you don't wanna skip. Yeah. That one's up there. Yeah. Um, so good. Uh my honorable mention is Tower of Power or Top. And if you don't know who that band is, then go listen to them because they have the horn section of all horn sections of horn sections. Um yeah, one of the best like funk groups ever to come out of anything um yeah tower of power that's Good my hell yeah that's yeah. my honorable mention nice yeah so yeah let us know what your uh, desert island albums might be shoot us a dm slide into our dms slide into our DMs. <laughs> we're somewhat receptive <laughs> go to our website three moons.com three moons audio.com slash contact you can yeah. send us all kinds of fun appropriate things send us memes yeah Yeah. some cat memes i like good memes yeah (laughs) meme queen (laughs) meme queen so one of the things we also wanted to talk about today is being a fly on the wall during a recording session that we would want to see you know from the past um just to kind of see how it was done and uh and again we kind of gave ourselves a stipulation of like it doesn't have to be a famous record you know or like a favorite record could be a famous record could be something obscure you know just something that you would want to see uh from you know that you, that you would want to see happen you know um and uh we all i think came up with some pretty stuff mine's very obvious uh but i'm still gonna do it uh, mine's pretty basic of me really yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why don't you lead off then okay yeah <laughs> 
Um, okay, so my um, my session that I wish I could have been a fly on the wall at. I went back and forth for a while because, again, it's a pretty basic bitch answer. But also it's like, do I really wish I was there? Because it was kind of a mess. Uh, but that's kind of... But yeah. that's kind of what makes it fun. Yeah. Also, oh. I like... Um, anything that's like iconic, I want to be a part of. So mm -hmm. yes. uh, mine is Rumors by Fleetwood Mac. Nice. Yeah. Uh, which I think Gavin guessed last week I was going to do. Oh, did I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is what made me find it even more. I was like, no, no. we need to come up with something original no, here. No, that's totally fine. Yeah. I dig um, it. But yeah, I, I chose that that's, uh, session because that album is so iconic and I think it influenced a lot of other albums. And I think being part of that would be really, really cool to have been like, yeah, I was there and like I experienced that. I also completely understand people who are listening are like, why the fuck would you want to be there? It was a shit show of a session. But that's, what but that's kind of the fun. And I kind of have always wanted to have like a classic, like old school, everybody's coked out of their minds, going crazy. Yeah. And I'm just having to like watch <laughs> as it all it. just like, I don't know. Part of that kind of appeals to me. And I'm like, it was a total like classic drugged out session yeah and uh very 70s very 70s and um do you have any stories i don't have any stories behind it um okay yeah well yeah i mean well it was rumors because there was all these rumors circulating about the band yeah and uh, mm. some of them were tr like everyone was kind of sleeping with everyone else kind of a thing yeah and, mm. yeah just yeah it's the biggest uh, cheaters record of all time is what yeah. people say oh i didn't know that yeah yeah and then it's yeah. all about cheating well, lots of the drugs yeah all the drugs yeah but yeah that's the session that i chose i think it would just be again iconic to say that i was there oh for sure 100 <laughs> yeah but what about you um i went again this one's probably pretty obvious um i went with led zeppelin 4 or some people call it the untitled record it's the led zeppelin album with uh stairway to heaven and black dog uh, and, and yeah. uh, when the levee breaks um it was recorded uh at uh the country house uh headley grange and they used the rolling stones mobile recording studio so they had these you know big um like trucks and vans parked outside with all their stuff going you know that was just you know, all the tape machines and stuff were in the trucks and you just had all these cables going in this big old house, um, you know, slash castle. And, uh, you know, it was that album was definitely influential for me uh, when I was a kid, when I was getting into drumming and classic rock and stuff like that. Every drummer is partially influenced by John Bonham, at least, you know, for a season in their lives. I think, you know, unfortunately, the record's kind of been uh the victim of being overplayed on a lot of like rock radio stations and uh which kind of has diluted it um but it's still a really powerful I, led zeppelin is still a very very powerful band and uh uh but yeah i just i liked that it was it wasn't recorded in some polished studio it was you know they they wanted to capture it was very diy yeah, yeah very like DIY. they were all very active in the recording process absolutely yeah and uh you know they were isolated and you know just kind of removed from the hustle and bustle of london and um you know they wanted to get some like I, you know they were in this old country house in the english woods and they wanted to like capture some mysticism and i i think they did you know um and uh i think the biggest thing too being a drummer uh i always loved that intro to when the levee breaks because yeah it sounded so cool and it's often imitated never replicated 
Uh, and I thought it was cool because it was just they just staggered microphones in a big stairwell and in an entryway and stuff. And it's just a lot of echo and natural reverb off stone and wood. And um, it just sounds so cool. And Bonham is just a beast uh, just laying into his drums. And uh, yeah, I would just love to be that. I, I kind of like I, I think I have an over romanticized thought of that type of audio engineering and recording of like we're not in this like purpose-built studio like we have to make it happen um and uh and i think you can kind of capture some really cool stuff um you know it's it's a very unique sounding album uh that people try to rip off everyone wants bonham drum sounds but you just can't do it and Mm -hmm. everyone wants to play like jimmy page but you just can't do it and you really can't sound exactly like stairway to heaven and black dog and rock and roll and stuff and uh, yeah, it's a cool it's record. It's a great album. Yeah, yeah it was that was really a really good, good choice. Yeah, thank really you. Pick. Yeah, what you got first, Jordan? Uh, so my pick is, um, I hope Jaquel is listening to this podcast. <laughs> he's uh, not. <laughs> yeah, he's not. But Jaquel, by the way, is one of our mentors, mentees. He's one uh, of our manatees. Manatees, yeah. Uh, so mine is probably Gaucho by Steely Dan um, for a couple of reasons. Number one, kind of like Audrey was saying, there was a little bit of drama behind the scenes with this one. And I love me some good I love me drama. Some drama. <laughs> so, I don't like to be in it. I like to watch, watch it. it though. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but also for two other really important reasons. Number one, um, their uh, 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 Roger Nichols, their um, engineer, is known by many engineers to be like one of the best engineers ever. And and Asia is considered the best recorded album of all time or one of them i should say there is probably no number one but like it's in it's in that uh you know realm um but gaucho is interesting because also roger nichols developed the first drum machine for this album too which is really interesting um so i have i i was doing some research on on these um on these uh on this album and uh i kind of just dove into the whole Steely Dan story because I thought it was really fascinating. And honestly, I know there's some, everyone's got an opinion about Steely Dan. Some people think it's kind of bland and boring. Um, I love Steely Dan. So, I know, I love Steely Dan too. So it's like I, driving. It's exactly. So the cool thing about Steely Dan, well, the unusual thing about Steely Dan is it's really only two guys that are, consist of the band. It's Donald Fagan and Walter Becker. Um, everyone else in the band has just hired studio musicians. Every single album they've done, it's just been hired musicians. And those are the only two like actual members of the band, um, which is really interesting. And they also only toured for like a couple of years and then they strictly were a studio band, which is really unusual. Um, the reason behind that is because uh, Fagan and Becker were like utter perfectionists and they really like to just be in the studio and be able to make things as perfect as possible. There's tons of stories of them doing things over and over and over again. So I'll kind of go into like the history behind Celia because I just think they're, even if you don't like their music, the whole story of their band and, and things that have come out of their band, like the drum machine are just really fascinating for engineers and just people that like history and history behind music. Um, so again, it was Donald Fagan and Walter Becker and they started the band basically, um, Fagan was passing by a cafe one day and he heard Becker just playing his guitar and was like, dude, you sound really good. Do you want to start a band together? And that's how it started. It was just like a that's stranger. Like Fleetwood Mac, like yeah. Stevie Nicks just happened to be at the studio like singing in some room exactly. and they were like, hey. 
hey, let's do a I thing. Like, uh, yeah. I like your voice I like, right yeah. there. <laughs> so it's just like really cool how it was just like random, just like a stranger. Um, they ended up teaming. Well, they actually for a while they were writing songs for other bands um, through the producer Gary Katz which ended up being their producer later on. But they teamed up with Roger Nichols, who I was talking about. Um, and they both, they all realized that they all had like a a love for just like striving for perfection, um, which is kind of the opposite of a lot of the bands in the day that were going for like that grungy, like, or not grungy, but just kind of like, you know, we're not striving for perfection. It's just kind of like what like it is. Loose it's live. and rock and roll. Loose and rock and roll, which I am all here for. Like I'm like, I'm just, you know, Steely Dan was just like the opposite of that, which is also really interesting. Um, and through that, they developed a lot of really cool things. Um, so, uh, basically, um, Asia is their album that most engineers will cite as being like the, uh, best sounding albums ever recorded. Um, and it's used to test a lot of like audiophile sound systems. The almost all engineers will at least throw up that record as just like one of the tests that they'll do because it's allegedly like, so like perfectly recorded, um, which is really interesting. Um, so while they were, um, working on, uh, Gaucho, they developed the drum machine and how that came to be basically was they, uh, were do working on a song. Let's see if I can find what song it was. I can't remember what song it was, but the, the drummer just wasn't quite nailing down like what they wanted. Um, it wasn't like as perfectly in time as they wanted. And they did, I mean, they did like like a million takes like i'm not joking it was probably like 40 or 50 takes of the song like, with the drummer and they just still weren't pleased with I it i think after 20 i would have been like okay yeah <laughs> i know right <laughs> and donald fagan says to their engineer he goes you know it's too bad that we can't this is a quote from him it's too bad that we can't get a machine to play the beat we want with full frequency drums and to be able to move the snare drum and kick drum around independently and nichols replied oh, i can do that this was back in 1978 or something so we said you can do that to which he said, yes, all I need is $150,000. So we gave him... <laughs> yeah, He's like, right. I've already been thinking about this. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they ended up giving him the money. And uh, six weeks Cocaine later... Cocaine budgets. Yeah. Six weeks yeah. later... Oh, I'll get to what their budget was for the whole album. Oh, no. That will surprise you. Uh, six weeks later, he comes back with the machine. And that's how it all started. Six wow. weeks. They waited six yep. weeks to get the Oh. Yeah, so a fact about this album is they spent over two years working on the album. The Solange album, she spent four years working on. Oh, oh wow. Gosh. Interesting. The one that, yeah, the one that I see at the table. Gotcha. Yeah, four years. Yeah, interesting. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so if you're working on an album and you're like, we've been spending six months on it, that's nothing. That's nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyways, it was, and it's called, uh, they called it The Wendell was the name of it and it's the first drum machine ever made which is really interesting so really cool i'm um, a lot of on gaucho a lot of the stuff on there like percussion and on one song in particular i'm trying to find it in my notes um is literally just a drum machine on the drums um which just goes to show you you can use drum machines and curious, audio files will... what did critics think of that at the time like were they like that's cheating I don't know. I didn't. That is a good thing. Um, I didn't see anything about that. I mean, when you have to develop and, you know, make a new yeah, piece of equipment. Yeah, I guess it's not cheating. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, yeah. were people like, I think that's not real. Yeah. I think a lot of people were just impressed by it because okay. right after that is when the drum machine kind of started taking off. Oh, okay. Yeah. Especially with, like, Michael Jackson stuff. Yeah. So, um, I think more people were just like, whoa, this is crazy how you could do this kind of thing yeah. rather than, like, you're cheating. Um, so, Gavin, you're talking about the budget. I want you to guess. What do you think okay, the budget is? Okay, if they spent $150,000 on... There. Which, is, which, which they were just like, here. Yeah. Which is a lot um, of money. Which is a lot. Especially yeah, like what 70. year was this in? 
Uh, sorry, going through my notes. 1979. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to say. Just ballpark it. I don't know if I'm going like too crazy with it. I have to think about like what do was it cost to make it like. <laughs> this is such a hard question. To I know. People that are listening, what do you think? Yo, oh man. What do you think this album would cost back in the late seventies? I'm gonna say uh, twenty million. I was gonna say. God, I was gonna say two million. <laughs> okay, you guys are pushing it. <laughs> uh, okay, was it like um like over seven hundred thousand? Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, mind you, this is the seventies. Okay. I know that's why I'm so, like okay, like yeah. I'm gonna say like one point five. Okay. Okay, I'm gonna drop mine. I'm gonna say uh I'm gonna say three million. Okay, it was just a million. Okay, but but still for the seventies now that would be like. Oh, like 10. I'm going to check for inflation. Yeah, yeah. you should. Well, well, I can keep going, Gavin. And okay. Just hit me up whenever. Um, so some facts about Gaucho. Um, and then there's a whole story I'll talk about Becker in a second. He had uh, some series of unfortunate events happen to him during this this record, um, which is also why it took two years. Um, but Gaucho, there were 42 different musicians that were on this record. Um, they spent... Uh, like I said, about two years, a million dollars, 150,000 of that was just for the drum machine. Um, an interesting thing about this record is is they moved to New York City. Originally, they were in L.A. and Walt Eric Becker and um, Fagan didn't really like L.A. It was too kind of glitzy and glamoury for them. So they moved to New York City. But unfortunately, a lot of the musicians they were using were in L.A. So when they went to New York City, they found some new musicians, but they all kind of despised them because mm-hmm. they were such perfectionists and would make them do like 50 to 52 takes of something. And then it still wouldn't be good enough. So they were like, we don't want to work with you. Um, so, yes, yeah, so it was kind of challenging for them. Um, they also when they were the mixing of, of their record was also just as meticulous. There's a fade out on Babylon Sisters of this album, by the way. I should also say, this album, I believe, is six songs, I want to say. So keep oh, that so in mind. so it's more like an EP. Yeah. More of an EP. I have that um, dollar figure now. Oh, what is it, Gavin? So for six songs, back in 1979, uh, they spent a million dollars. In today's money, that's over three and a half million dollars spent wow. on six songs. Which I or looked, seven, up, seven I looked up some of the most uh, most expensive albums of all time. Mm-hmm. One of which was Kanye West, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. And that was only $2.5 million. And that's today, right? And that's today. And what did it translate to, Gavin? Three? Three. Uh, over three and a half million. But wow. Michael Jackson's Invincible cost $31.6 million. What? Oh, what year did that come was out that... in? Uh, 1995. No, it's his comeback after that one. Um, I think it was like 1997, 1998. Oh my gosh. So that must be number one, right? Yeah, that's number one for like oh most gosh. expensive. There's Jesus. Um, Put some perspective in. There. <laughs> what did you say? Thirty. Thirty-one point six million dollars. Oh my gosh! Wow. Can we? It was have released some of that? in two thousand one. Oh, two thousand one. Yeah. Interesting. Um. Yeah. So that's money. Uh. So the album. Some interesting stories that happened. Um. So the first thing, you guys will find this interesting, uh, the first song that they tracked was called The Second Arrangement, and they had spent a couple weeks on this. This was the very you know beginning of the album. They're like, all right, we just came off of Asia. It was a, like a hit-selling record. Let's get into the studio. Let's do another one. 
So they start working on the, the second arrangement, and the assistant engineer accidentally deletes three quarters of the whole song one day. No. Yeah. <laughs> I once did that. The Pro Tools backups. But it was, me. yeah, it was on tape, so there's no yeah, backup. Yeah, there's no backup. Uh, yeah, and so of course, uh, uh, there's some stories that I was reading online, and, and Donald Fagan literally just was like silent, like just wouldn't say anything. And then they apparently, oh, I wouldn't, I would, yeah. Like there's nothing you can say. Like, and so they took a few days off, I think, just to kind of like, yeah. Process. There's like no point in even getting mad. There's just yeah. like, there's just like, oh, well, that, we lost that. That happened. Um. Especially when you consider they were had already on one song they had already spent like two weeks, oh, man. and like if anybody's recorded nowadays, you know two weeks you could do like a full album mm-hmm. in two weeks, if not like two albums in two weeks, like just the recording part. But um, so anyway, it's a lot of time, and so they ended up coming back and they tried to like re-record it, but they just couldn't do it. It was just like there's like yeah, the matter. forget it. Yeah, so they ended up not doing that song. So that was a song that never ended up going on the album, and um. Yeah, so that's kind of sad. But also, um, in January of 1980, Walter Becker, this is kind of sad, he found his girlfriend dead on the floor of his New York City apartment um, due to drug overdose. Um, And then her family later ended up trying to sue him because he was the one that, like, got her into drugs or whatever. That reminds me of something interesting I read about All Things Must Pass Mm. on that because Eric Clapton uh, played guitars Mm -hmm. for part of that album. Apparently... That album led him to a heroin addiction because he fell in mm. love with George Harrison's wife. Yeah. And I was like, that's crazy. That's so sad. <laughs> Gasp. Gasp. <Yeah. laughs> it was so taken no, I, back. I heard about that. I just, I couldn't remember the record, but yeah, thanks for, for checking that yeah. box for me there. Yeah. So um, anyway, so she, she died of drug overdose, which sadly led him to do more drugs, which then caused more divide between um, him and Fagan. So it just added more stress. And then also, I mean, talk about bad luck. Three months later, the same guy Beckard was struck by a taxi cab, which fractured his leg. So then for weeks he was in the hospital and they were still working on the album. So he could only communicate over the phone. So he was like listening to takes over the phone and t- giving his, you know, and you can just imagine like how annoying that would be. And so that just Actually phone quality back then. Exa- yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it ended up just being this whole thing and it set a- everything just back and, and it was just insane. Um, but anyways, so the interesting thing, like I said, about Celie Dan is just they were meticulous about every aspect of everything. And some people say it's almost like too perfect, like there isn't like a human quality to it. But I just think it's a really interesting story about people that went into the studio um, and just strove for perfection um, and kind of pretty much got it. Um, after this, this... At what cost, though? Uh, well, I know, right? <laughs> Not just monetarily, but... <laughs> uh, sanity, right? Yeah. <laughs> But it's what they like to do. I mean, like I said, they didn't do live shows. It, this is literally what their passion was, was just let's just be in the studio 24-7 and, just, you know. Which is definitely um, a different take. Cool. It is a different take. That's why I thought it was interesting because there's a lot of bands that were kind of the opposite of just like, let's just go in and have fun. Um, One of my favorite singers, uh, Cat Power, she mm. has such bad stage fright that she can only tour like once every five years. Oh, really? And even then, my dad said that he saw her once and she literally sang off stage. And oh, would and during the show would slowly come out more and more, and then she would get like too freaked out, and she would go back a couple steps, and oh then she gosh. would like come, oh my like gosh. she. He said it was the most painful show he's ever. Oh been my to. gosh! Who is this? Uh, Cat Power. Cat Power. It's like why bother? Like that's good to sing. Like yeah, do do your art and stuff. She's got yeah. the like coolest 
voice ever and she's yeah. crazy talented but yeah she's like basically just become a studio musician yeah. interesting like release dvds or something yeah. like yeah. yeah what are dvds oh yeah or, yeah <laughs> live stream or something <laughs> you can see me but i can't see you <laughs> so anyways uh gaucho was the last album that silly dan did and they ended up breaking up after this because just everything yeah you can just imagine so for a while they were on a big hiatus they revive they had a revival back in the early 2000s um and again they kind of went down that path of trying to go that audiophile route um so uh for their for their album everything must go they recorded it in um 24 bit 192 um of course you know and they also <laughs> did a surround sound mix of it oh wow um, as well because they were trying to be pioneers of like that new you know thing kanye west did that too. he did oh he really yeah mm-hmm. I, I think i remember that mm-hmm. i forgot it um yeah so that's kind of the the basics of steely dan a really interesting story about a band that was very odd um i also think donald fagan has such a weird voice just to be honest um <laughs> but <laughs> it their music is really good you can't really deny that that they're really um it's like perfectionist but yeah, it's interesting. Now that I think about it, like a lot of those Steely Dan songs really wouldn't translate well in a live setting either. Yeah. Um just because yeah, it's just a little too refined and, you know, it's you know, they were treating the studio as like a, a very controlled like laboratory like setting. Yeah. Oh, totally. Where and you're out in the open in a venue uh, it's just, you know, there's there's all this other stuff and it's really going to lose its effect, I, I think. Um, yeah. In a more modern, that made me think of, like, there's a lot of those, like, modern, like, kind of proggy metal bands out there, like your Peripheries and Meshuggah and Animals as Leaders and a lot of other bands that are um, kind of getting gaining traction. And a lot of that stuff is, uh, a, lot of the, a lot of those drums are programmed. Uh, a lot of the stuff is, you know, done in studio. And the main complaint I hear a lot of people have with those bands is it just doesn't again it doesn't doesn't translate translate live live. yeah Yeah, it's it's too digital which is so disappointing when you see a band and it just doesn't oh yeah and you're like oh yeah yeah you really can't play your drums like that you know or Mm -hmm. your guitar really doesn't sound like that because it just doesn't yeah it doesn't translate well and uh that's kind of cool that they chose to just preserve it you know that way they're like we're not going to soil it or what you hear is what it is and i think i mean if you see pictures pictures of these guys they're kind of your nerdy white boys but like they they weren't the performing type of people you know like they weren't gonna go on stage and just shred um definitely basement dwellers definitely basement dwellers which hey it's okay yeah um also one other thing i should note too it's interesting how some of these things have like the hip-hop community can attribute some of their things, you know, like the the drum machine. Um, and also, they were the one of the first um, bands to use like a drum loop. They actually had a physical loop of tape that would go in and out. Like it was like strung all around the studio and they recorded just like an eight bar like loop and they just literally just like a physical like loop of tape that they just kept going around Crazy. and recorded to it. Um, which is now like so prominent in all hip hop music yeah. and like the drum machine too. So it's funny how like this like progressive like jazz band like pioneered all this stuff that we have nowadays in yeah. in recording. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So Steely Dan guys. Yeah, it's a good one. Oh. Also, reeling in the years is a great song. Yeah. <laughs> Are you reeling in the years? I think. Well, and it's interesting. Oh too, I think was it that solo? Like the guitar was like just plugged directly into the console or something like that too. I don't know. That's a interesting. Uh, yeah, I'm speaking. Yeah, I'm not super well informed on there, but I remember there's like on some of the guitar tones, 
It's just like plugged directly. It's like a cranked Neve console or something like that. And like yeah. that was a guitar tone. I know they did use on one of the records, they use an SSL for sure. Because yeah. there was a picture I saw in one of the articles mm-hmm. and uh, he was sitting on an SSL console. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, so the reason why I chose this as my fly in the wall was mainly though because everyone says that this is like one of the best sounding records of all time. Um, so just to be able to see all the techniques they used, oh, and yeah. like how did they record it? Because why? Why That's does what, everybody... how I felt about rumors was yeah, like the same thing. Yeah, it's just like I want to know like all their tips and tricks, so then I can just like learn from it. Too, also, they so. use an API board, and <gasps> nice. Y'all know I love me an API. Audrey loves an API. <laughs> she likes an API. Yeah. Cool. Right on. That's a cool story. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. Cool. All right, guys. Well, uh, let's uh, let's wrap her up uh, before we say goodbye and bid you adieu uh do you and you and you and you yeah <laughs> yeah i'm just ba, ba, da, 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 da. sorry uh, anyways <laughs> <laughs> thanks thanks oh i can't remember her name now i don't remember yeah either. i know the address is julie andrews but i can't remember the name of her maria no, uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Go. How, how do you solve a problem like maria uh, or Jordan, for that matter. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, who's got an artist of the week? What's your artist of Ooh. the week? Well, we just named a whole bunch of them. I know. I, right. was gonna, I almost feel like I should just choose one of those artists. You should. Say as my artist of the week. I've already used most of them. So I'll go with Pavement as my artist of the week. But only that one album. That one album. That's the only one that I recommend. <laughs> Don't blame the other ones on me if you choose to listen to them. Unless you love them. Then do give then me credit. Then you do you. <laughs> But uh, um, yeah, my arts of the week is Pavement. Cool. They're Pacific Northwest band, so. My artist of the week is more of just like an album of the week. Um, it's it's the Fantasia 2000 album by the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. It's it's from the movie Fantasia 2000 by Disney, um, that animated movie. And if you haven't seen it, go watch it because I know most people probably don't listen to classical music. Totally understand. I get it. Um, but if you are going to listen to classical music, that would be something to go and watch and listen to. Um, you know, get comfy, get get your blanket on. Do it's only like a forty-five minute thing. It's pretty isn't short. It? Yeah. yeah. Is Fantasia two thousand completely different than the original Fantasia? Yes. Okay. It was. It's basically a sequel to Fantasia. Okay. Cool. And um, both are actually great. I just prefer most of the music in Fantasia two thousand. Um, but both are fantastic, and also the Sorcerer's Apprentice is in both of them, so that's kind of the classic one that people talk about oh, okay. with Fantasia. Um, but Pines of Rome is a big one; that's one of my all-time favorites as well. So um, it's the one with the the whales. If you watch it, oh, um, but it's okay. it's so freaking good. And seriously, when you watch it, you have to be kind of in the right mood. So like, do all your vices that you need. Um, get a little drunk or something or whatever you need to just chill and whatever but just like listen to it and have a good Definitely time have an experience have an yeah. experience it's like the wall like yeah. you have to have an experience you know yeah. and that's that's when you will all of a sudden go okay you know what like i get why people like classical music i still wouldn't go and like see the symphony but i get it you know yeah. what i mean like i've Definitely. had so many friends like be in that zone of just like i don't understand oh no okay i get it. i remember that being a huge turning point for me as a kid with classical music yeah like that was the first time as a kid I was like, mm-hmm. oh, like this is kind of really dope. Like this. This yeah, is we did sick. exactly. Uh, my sophomore year of high school, when I was in marching band, we did music from Fantasia. Oh, really? So we opened with the Sorcerer's Apprentice. Or nice. no, we opened with Night on Bald Mountain. Yep. Okay. And then we did Sorcerer's Apprentice. Did and we you did Firebird? Couple, uh, no. Okay. Yeah, we did four movements. Oh, from the original. From, from the original Fantasia. Okay. Fantasia. I'm yeah. What's in that? Uh, but I can't remember the other two. The other two were like deep cuts from it, but it was pretty yeah. bad. And we had a good like drum feature 
and we won like our drumline actually won some awards at some competitions we oh, did nice. for actually being good at what we do so it was pretty kind of that was kind of cool yeah <laughs> anyway it's fantasia nice um i have one and then i have an uh, an honorable mention because when we were talking about fantasia it actually made me think of something i saw oh, okay so i'm gonna be greedy um go listen to tapestry by carol king yes and it's yes. just just great uh, those are some of the best songs ever and they sound amazing like three times the other night yeah oh it's just it's so, so good yeah it's just bop after bop yeah bop after bop and then um <laughs> talking about Fantasia, Jordan reminded me uh, of this uh, new album that came out uh, by an artist named Sturgill Simpson, and they just re- released, this came out a little bit ago, he did a uh, joint release with Netflix where they put, um, uh, they during the process of recording this record, uh, they he got in touch with... Um, a bunch of uh, like some of the best anime studios in Japan, and he said, "Hey, listen to my album, and then make cartoons to go along with it, and and see what." And this is the kind of theme. Uh, the album is called Sound and Fury, so you can stream the album like on Spotify or whatever. But if you have Netflix, you can actually watch, watch the, the album. album. Ooh, um, cool. and it's kind of a they're relatively loosely connected. Um, stories. There's no dialogue or anything like that. It's just mm. one long music. It's like an album video, right? Uh, and it's uh, five different artists uh, and studios like made cartoons that go with it. And uh, it's in I think like four or five movements uh, throughout the whole album. And uh, it was really really cool. I was kind of just watched it on a whim one morning when I was folding laundry, and it was one of those things where it just kind of sucked me in. And I stopped folding laundry because I was just like watching what was going on. Yeah. Um, and I'm not a big anime person. I've never really listened to Sturgill Simpsons before. Um, but uh, yeah, just talking about Fantasia just made me think of of what I saw. And I was like, oh, wow, this is this is actually really cool. So yeah. um, peep that for sure. Check that out. Yeah, cool. Well, hey, thanks for listening, guys. You can find us on the internets. Uh, ThreeMoonsAudio.com is our website. You can uh, contact us individually or email us uh, directly. Um, we have a great FAQ section. Uh, we've got some really cool stuff on our multimedia page. You'll find links to the podcast, to our YouTube page, uh, to some cool videos we made here at the Lunar Base. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just look for Three Moons Audio. Our podcast can be found uh, anywhere you find podcasts. Uh, thanks to Anchor for making that easy for all of us. And you can find me on Instagram at Three Moons Gavin. I'm Jordan C. Smitty. I'm at Auto Records. Uh, thanks for listening. Bye, friends. Bye. Bye. If you like this podcast, feel free to leave us a review and share this podcast with friends and family. It's the best way for people to find our podcast. In Phase is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Anchor. New episodes come out every other Thursday. And if you have any questions or topics for our podcast, send us a message on our website at threewoundsaudio.com slash contact. If you would like to be on our podcast, or if you have any suggestions for topics, please send us a message on our website at threemoonsaudio.com slash contact. New episodes come out every other Thursday.